the North Egypt podcast today on the show. Professor Mike. Back again. Back again. Back again. <laughs> Feels like deja vu. We've <laughs> <laughs> uh, Coach Kev here uh, and today we're just talking about first class fears. So for those people that are already members, it might be that you get to reminisce a little bit about uh, before you came to your first session. And uh, if you are thinking about doing a class here or maybe you're already booked in to do a session here, uh, we can hopefully uh, give you some knowledge that might uh, dispel some of the fears you've got prior to coming here. Fears and myths, because I think jiu-jitsu is still probably for a lot of people. You spoke to like my mum, even after I've been doing this for 20 years, and said, what does Mike do? She'd probably say, oh, he does that cage fighting thing. You know, it's like not that. So there's a lot of myths around what jiu-jitsu is. Yeah. And I think particularly our academy strive to do things quite differently, don't we? We put the community before everything else. Um, you made a good point earlier, Kev, actually, about not just the nerve, because you're going to feel nervous. It's not just the fact that what's it going to feel like rolling with someone new and being that close to someone. It's just walking into a new community mm. of people. And there's that kind of like tribal instinct that um, we want to be accepted by that group. Mm. And that's just something you're not going to be able to get away from because it's hardwired into your, your reptilian brain. 100%. Like we want to be um, accepted and we don't want to be outcast from the social group. Um, that's just like a evolutionary trait, isn't it, of human beings? Yeah. So yeah, just accept the fact you're gonna be nervous, like, but that's part of the process. That's what we're here to help with for most people. That's going through any like any kind of positive change, you have to go through that fear of the unknown. But 99% of the time in life, that fear of the unknown, you look back on it and go, oh, what was I even worried about? You know, it's uh, the change was good. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the alternative? Like, because I reckon there's quite a lot of people who perhaps sign up for a trial class. Like, we've had like hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people sign up for trial classes now. Not everyone's turned up. Um, and I do wonder, like, what happened in that space? You know, like, I reckon there's a pretty large percentage of people like taught themselves out of coming. Mm. And who knows where they would have been if they'd have stepped into this environment, like now. Yeah. And so, what's the alternative? If you're nervous, and you're like sat outside in the car, should I, shouldn't I? Or you're at home, should I, shouldn't I? Just think about the alternative of not coming. And that should hopefully be powerful enough to drive you in for that first time. Yeah. yeah that's a great one. What would you, what is you in six, if you do come in six months time, what would you be like? And what would you be like six months time if you take the zero action? It's, I guess that's like any positive change again, isn't it? It's, you know, you could be in six months' time, like, you'll have had a couple of stripes, you'll be, like, understanding jiu-jitsu on another level, you'll have new friends, you'll have this whole new community to be part of, and you would have that. All you have to do is sort of take that Lao Tzu style, take the first step type thing, the scariest thing. Mm. I think one of the most comforting things you can think of when you're a bit nervous is that, uh, that you oftentimes forget, is, like, everyone in that room has been in your shoes. Yeah. They've all started out on the first day feeling the exact same feelings you did. And yeah. they're not, they don't, they won't look down on you on for it. They, they kind of feel like uh, more empathy for you. You know, they, they know exactly what it is. And they almost, uh, especially here, will 
compensate or overcompensate to make you feel extra welcome because they know that you're probably feeling quite nervous and a bit out of sorts. You don't know where to stand. And you don't know how to tie belt or something, you know. So they're gonna they're gonna look after you. You're gonna, you're gonna be made to feel welcome. Yeah, I think probably the biggest one for most people, notwithstanding the fact that they want to fit in, it's the kind of physical part of it. Mm. You know, I'm gonna get beaten up. I'm just gonna hurt or whatever. And it's worth just saying there again, everyone's been in that place. And I've been speaking even last night to more our advanced students about the ability to be able to handicap your jiu-jitsu to make it an enjoyable role for both people. If someone's more experienced or bigger or stronger than you, they're not gonna go to town on it. It's not gonna happen. That's not the way it works. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And if that did happen, culturally they're breaking that kind of code of ethics that we stand by at GBRL. And so myself or one of the coaches will intervene. Like that's the way it is. Like no, no one's gonna do that in our community. It doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, didn't think, I think back to a trials we had, uh, might have been this week or last week, uh, they came in, I was walking them to the changing rooms and they walked in and I think someone introduced themselves and like, and then they were like, oh yeah, I'm the trialist today, I'm the fresh meat. And like, but that goes like the mentality they had coming in. Like, yeah, they were joking around a little bit, but they probably had seen some YouTube videos or something and guys being, oh, fresh meat, this guy's going to come and get beaten up on the first leg, I think. Yeah, it's only voicing yeah. that sort of fear out, out loud that he's probably already thinking. Yeah. But it's not like that, right? It's, it's a super, especially here, it's a super just, you know, you're doing the fundamentals class anyway, so you're not going to be doing full sparring rounds. The, you're going to do like a little bit of, uh, you're going to do the warm-up, you're going to do some drilling, you're going to do a little bit of specific training, we'll tell you what it is and how it's done. Six minutes yeah. of specific yeah. training. So the actual, the actual physical, I suppose, the rolling bit, is six minutes of the hour class. That's less than it takes to do the warm up, which is seven minutes. Mm, yeah. So actually it's the least important almost, I would suggest at that stage, part of the class, but it's the bit that you'll enjoy the most when you've finished. Um, I think there's, there'll be some people though, who perhaps it's not the physicality of it, it's, it's the physicality of, can I even get through the class? You know, I was chatting to one of our members last night who's suffering from um, the aftermath of COVID and I think there'll be a lot of people out there who physically have, have been hit by COVID or whether it's just an inactivity thing or an injury. And they're wondering whether or not they can even get through the warm-up. And oftentimes, you know, I always talk about the warm-up, which is for a fundamentals class, a GB1 class, it's the same warm-up every time. The reason it's the same is that is something that you can measure yourself against. It's not, you know, he's doing more press-ups than me because you do the same. It's not he can do more than me. It's about can I get through the warm-up and keep my heart rate low? You can use that warm-up as a tool to measure your own development. And no yeah. one's expecting you to be able to come in and just smash it out of the park. You know, if you only can do half of the warm-up, but next week you do an extra rep or an extra, that's progress, man. Yeah, that's good yeah. enough for me. I think what we've been talking about here so far is what we've touched on someone coming in and thinking, am I going to be an outsider? Will I feel like an outcast? And now we're trying to get onto the point of, which is one of the most common ones is, am I fit enough for, I don't think I'm fit enough to start that yet. Which is the kind of the wrong mentality to go around it, right? Even when it comes to existing students uh, around live training, I get frustrated uh, sometimes by them that they might set out around because they're, I'm not fit enough, I'm too unfit. It's like, yeah, you might, your fitness can definitely get better and you'll get more efficient in your jiu-jitsu, make it easier, but you're not on the map to make you look good. It's like you're on the map to help everyone else and get the team better. So if you're gonna get, if you're unfit, you're gonna get tapped out in the round or you're gonna get, you're gonna have a harder round, right? 
if you're tired, just fatigue, big kind of cowards of us all kind of thing, right? So if you're gonna have a much harder round, we well, aren't gonna die. <laughs> right. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, you're just gonna, you know, your ego's gonna take a bit more of a hit because someone else that you might normally beat kind of gets the better of you, and um, and that's okay. That's, that's totally okay. Let's yeah. talk about our role last night. Like you caught me twice with great, great, um, two great submissions. I've had a week off. Body's a bit battered. Probably wasn't sharp as I normally am. Done about fifteen rounds before. Done about fifteen rounds, but that that's good. And what did I say to you when I came in today? I really yeah. enjoyed that last night because, you know, everyone needs to be challenged every now and again. And I needed that like shock to like right. You need to get back on the mats again. Had a week at sea. Get back. Get training because people are catching you up. Like that's okay. I think the the other fear that people might have is kind of being injured, mm. particularly people who have got important jobs and. You know, they're putting food on the table, paying the bills, and that's difficult at the moment, isn't it? So don't forget, jiu-jitsu is not MMA. No one's ground and pounding you into the floor. You can submit at any time. And, you know, we always say here, don't we, like, tap early yeah. uh, and stay safe, live to fight another day, whatever. So injuries are so rare. When they do, and we've got, a, we've got a blog that I wrote, actually, about injuries on our website in our resources section. When they happen, it's it's almost like bad luck. It's like yeah. a catastrophic fall, you know, and someone yeah. just wait for No one's going to be popping your arm off. Well, that's the other thing you say, isn't it? Is even applying that clock, like with a Braulio steamer um, seminar, is saying, you know, apply it at 60%, and then if they if you've still got the control, add another 10%, another yeah. 10% until someone taps. You're giving someone, like, at least 30% of that kind of intensity to submit to it anyway. And most people, if they're smart, will feel it's on and tap. Yeah, on that, I think there's something that we often hear is like, you know, you should do jiu-jitsu and then someone will say, oh, I've got that pre-existing shoulder thing. I just, you know, I want to wait till it's better and better. It's one of those things that never gets better, really. And uh, I think on that, I think it's important to, you know, jiu-jitsu is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a, it's a philosophy expressed physically, right? So you can come in and, you know, we've got people, we've got people that are blind, you know, we've yep. got people that, you know, massively overweight. We've got people um, with all kinds of injuries, right? Yep. But you can still come on the mats and you can still get something from jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It's not all about learning how to, you know, submit another person always, right? Yeah, who was I talking to? Uh, I was having this morning, I'm getting old, I can't remember. But I was there was a point in time, and Professor Lewis will be able to talk about this, when we were blue belts, he went out to Brazil. And there was a moment when we had to understand that we weren't going to be the next world champions. Like that wasn't gonna happen. Even for Lewis, who was competing a lot, just wasn't at that level. And so you can ask yourself like, what are you coming here for in the first place? Mm. Like if you're walking through the door for your trial class, wanting to be the next world champion, that's one thing. But that is 0.001% of people. In fact, we've probably got, there's a couple of kids in our program we were talking about the other day who mm. have an aspiration to be in jiu-jitsu forever. And that could manifest itself as a competitor. In terms of our adults, None, none of our students will be world champions. Not at the moment, because yeah. they're not training seven days a week. I mean, it's probably to the point now, unless unless you are that kind of 11-year-old with what, what the landscape of jiu-jitsu is now, yeah. uh, that it's unlikely for an adult to start jiu-jitsu and then go on to win at least adult division. Yeah, but know. you, could, you yeah. could be a British champion. We've got British champion students here, homegrown yeah. English champions. You could have, you could be, you could just compete for the first time and that could be a win for you. You could lose a stone. We've got, Listen to the James Francis Frost episode. Yeah, you know you got guys there who have almost their lives changed because their physicality has changed through jiu-jitsu and that routine. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, your goal. I would say that. I would say before you come in, just have a real good think about like why you're coming here. Yeah. Because you can definitely achieve that goal no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And if it is just to have a hobby, get fit, meet new people, have fun on the mats, and learn jujitsu, then you have something in common with ninety percent of the people who walk right. through the door. So, you know, it's. Uh, you're gonna get on with people because you're gonna have a similar, uh, what you want from life, you're gonna have a similar mindset. Yeah, you never know how it's gonna change you or what, what kind of path it's gonna take you. Obviously, you know, we've got so many people here now that are like you know, best friends off the mats as well, you know, they'll go hang out. Or do you remember when uh, you and uh, Frosty was taking the Saturday class and I came in to kind of just assist and help out? I was saying to the class after the end of that one, I was like, guys, you never know where like jujitsu is gonna take you. You know, it might, you know, you're saying, you know, give the guys a well done because uh, it might be you in a year's time standing yeah. up at the front of class and doing it. It's like, you know, and it's probably the person that is in the line thinking, oh, it's not going to be me doing it. Because I was like, so next to Frosty, I was like, when I, I was paired up with Frosty for his first class, I wouldn't have thought we'd be here either. No. <laughs> but, you know, exactly. so when you think a year ago, like me and Frosty were like, what, three stripe white belts and then doing the GB1 class and stuff. Definitely uh, something I've always liked the idea of, but if you'd have said, oh, in a year's time, you'll be doing that. Mm. <laughs> I was chatting to someone last night and um, their fear was that if they started Jiu-Jitsu twofold, could they fit it into their weekly routine? Mm. Because they don't want to start something to then quit it, and I get that. And that tends to be more people who um, are driven they don't want to fail because they mm. haven't stuck to it because other things have got in the way. Um, and also, like, how, how I'm going to cope if it really gets under my skin and I really love it. That's another fear that a lot of people have. It's like, I've heard this jiu-jitsu thing, like, everyone loves it. What if I love it a bit too much? And other things in my life suffer. Look at Sam Hewitt, for instance, former Mr. Universe. He was on the podcast recently. I remember him coming in and saying, this will never be more than my bodybuilding because, like, that's what I do. And now he's like... I'm bodybuilding, I don't do bodybuilding, <laughs> I just compete in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So have a really good think before you come down and I plan ahead a little bit, I would suggest, because that can take a fear straight off the table. So the person I was talking to last night, we were just kind of spitballing stuff and I was saying, could you get down to every Tuesday or Thursday morning, just twice a week? Because that, that is the average amount of time that people come training. Yeah. I think in modern jiu-jitsu, certainly in this academy, it might be slightly different a lot of people come three, four times a week because the, the community is really strong and they love it. Most people across the world train twice a week because they've got other stuff going on. Mm. That's fine. Even to get your foot in the door and try it, but give yourself 16 weeks, give yourself six months, a period in your life and say, right, I'm going to commit to coming to training twice a week for three months, four months, and then just see where you're at. You don't need to get hung up on well what if I can't come four times a week or what if I get sent away with work what am I going to do and I think people can almost talk themselves out of it too early man yeah sometimes we create barriers for ourselves don't we sometimes and some, sometimes that's that procrastination process you know you want to do it but there are fears so you start to create reasons why you might want to think about it a little bit longer which is that what if in three months time well yeah um, it's kind of I struggle with that uh, not letting that not letting perfection stand in the way of like really good yeah. it's like it's really good to come to training two times a week so if you're like oh well I can't make four so I'm not going to do any <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, some people think that yeah. particularly when they're stood next to someone this is the real challenge let's say you've, you've done a trial class you loved it you come in the fear starts to come back when the person stood next to you who started the same week as you let's say or within a few weeks they're coming three four times a week you're coming twice a week because of work you've got a family 
And then they're just improving at a much faster rate. So the other thing I would say to anyone coming in is, this is about your journey yeah. and no one else's. Like we're not comparing you to anyone else. This is all about you. And on the back of your attendance card, not many people fill it in, but there's a section there for your own goals. And that's for you to write down those goals and to be accountable only to yourself. And we're here to support you in that for sure as coaches, professor, whatever, um, and, and the, the team. Um, but ultimately, you know, this is only about you for your jiu-jitsu, but then it becomes all about everyone else because of the community, right? Here's, mm. a, here's a question for you two. Um, I've been thinking about this recently um, in terms of attendance. I think everyone has like a sweet spot so this has taken me like this long to find my sweet spot. So if I do my comp team regularly, my sweet spot changes just because of the intensity of it. It means I probably do either one less live train or one less class a week, which yep. would mean I'd say do four if I do comp team. If I don't do comp team, I find I can do five. Um, and, that's, and that sweet spot means I never really feel too stiff with on top of the stretching and stuff that I do. I never feel too fatigued. If I did another one for a couple of weeks, all of a sudden I'd be like less motivated. And then that would depend on all of the other things that are going on in life. So do you think there's like a sweet spot that everyone can almost discover? So rather than going, oh, I should be doing four classes or three, actually the fun can be like discovering what your sweet spot is with the other stuff. Yeah, and it comes and goes, doesn't it? Like, you know, you, you, life, life, gets in the way sometimes. I've had two children, um, I haven't started jiu-jitsu before that, and there was times when I could only train twice a week. There were times when I couldn't train. Uh, thankfully, I've never been injured, really, through jiu-jitsu, but I've worked away overseas, and I used to take my gear and I used to train, but maybe it was once a week. Maybe it was no time. Like, just accept it's gonna change. On the sweet spot, I think there is, and that the, the mistake a lot of people make is they jump in too deep. And they jump into four, five, six, seven times a week training and they don't give the body time to adapt to it. Mm. So I would always encourage anyone to start training two or three times a week for a period of time and just see how you go. And we did a podcast ages ago. I can't remember if Soaps asked the question actually about the percentage of live training to classes. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. And you, that's one thing you can do if you're feeling like you're a little bit exhausted from jiu-jitsu because you're attending some live training or comp team. Just forego a live training, come to one more GB one or two class and get more information and less skill acquisition for a couple of weeks. Mm. And that's a way to balance out the physical effects of jiu-jitsu. What, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of figuring out this as well, to be honest. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I tried to hit 50 rolling rounds. That's what actually what sparked that focus. <laughs> in, in, in a week and three lifting sessions. Did you uh, do 50? Yeah, I think that was, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> so 55, six minute rounds. Yeah, wow. That's a lot. Yeah, so, um, and then, so I think a sweet spot for me, being that I don't get so many classes, is around the 32 to 35 rolling rounds and then three lifting sessions in a week. I mean, that's a lot of volume for anyone who's done that. I have very little responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> it's also yeah. conditioning. That's you, the law of progressive overload, but yeah. you can apply that to this, can't we? Like you say, right. adaption. You've been rolling for years. You've been rolling for years. So you, your sinews, tendons, muscles, you know, cardio, uh, ability to control your own adrenaline on the mat, you know, and be relaxed and roll is so different to yeah. myself that would burn out quicker, more tension, yeah, less technique. And you're in here every day. Like, it's your yeah. profession. You're in this business. Um on a previous point, I remember Eddie Bravo saying one time that um, on the like amount of classes you could come to, uh, even if you end up just showing for one class, let's say the class is like the week one, class A, and it's the bridge and roller escape, 
And that's the only jiu-jitsu you ever do. You're like 99% more prepared for a street location than any other person that didn't go for a jiu-jitsu session. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's, you know, we forget how little you end up knowing before you kind of Well, that kind of comes back to my point of like, what's the alternative? And it's it's often Mm. something when I do my talks and stuff outside of this that I I talk about with people when they're thinking about taking on goals. I always say like, yeah, imagine if you didn't do it. Because that's often worse. And that can often propel you towards it. So, and I always often use this when I'm teaching classes, particularly if I know there's a few family oriented people in the group. You've, you've surely, if nothing else, got to make sure that you're able to defend the people you care about. Mm. And, you know, if someone comes into your house, you better, better know that you can hold them down till the police turn on. Or if they're holding you down, you better know you can get out and hold the other one down. Like you've got to be, that's like a fundamental life skill up there for me with like teaching your kids to swim. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's absolutely valuable. Now you might not win, quote unquote, a physical altercation, but if you've just got that little bit of knowledge, just done jujitsu for a year or six months, the, and you can only know this when you've been here, like the diff, if you could clone yourself on day one mm. and you rolled against that person in six months time, it'd be an absolute joke. And that's what it feels like with anyone out on the street, most people. And so, you know, give yourself that self-confidence. Give yourself that self-assured, quiet confidence that you can defend yourself from people you care about. That's like a, it's a life skill, man. Yeah, and like you say, it does uh, trickle down to the rest of your life. Just, I think just knowing that you'd be okay in physical confrontation allows you to be more expressive with other types of confrontation. Well, that might be like in a meeting when someone tries to shut you out or something or, you know, tosses away your idea. You can be like, well, actually, I think this is a good idea or something because especially if you're like a smaller person or a woman, maybe, you might feel, even though there's no like realistic potential threat, I think just biologically we're thinking, oh, this person's kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, they're higher up than me or, you know. One thing it doesn't, sorry, mate, one thing it doesn't stop, and I'll use myself as an example here and something that happened to me a few weeks ago um, in Alton Towers of all places. One thing it won't, and, and someone asked me about this, um, so it's worth talking about. Like, one thing it won't stop is your physical reaction to potential violence. So even though I, I would consider myself to be a good grappler, and compared to the layman who's never grappled, an exceptional grappler, and therefore my chances of being okay in a physical altercation are pretty high, I still get that sense of adrenaline mm. that anyone will get. Because someone who doesn't train presumed that that went away. The more experience you get, it doesn't go away. You still get that physical response. You just you just got to know that when it goes down, you'll know what to do. That's yeah. the difference. So you're not going to walk around like this super zen physical fighting machine. That's not going to happen. But you just know inside that if it actually went down, someone got hold of you, and that's what's going to happen. No one's going to be throwing punches. Someone's going to get hold of you. You'll know what to do. Yeah, there's that, that saying, isn't there? Uh, you'd rather be the uh, the warrior, warrior in the garden than the gardener in the war, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you, sorry, do you find that you guys have you? I mean, probably not. 
and into an application recently. Yeah, have you still I, done I've that? had a few adrenaline, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but like you, I think you say, so even with stuff I've done before, and definitely even more now because I've only done stand-up stuff before, but when I've, when stuff has started kicking off, yeah, you have like that nauseous, you have like the shakes, your legs start yeah. to feel jelly. But then there's also a part of your brain that's there as well that's like reading the situation better and you're either moving away from it or you're handling it differently or just that confidence you have is like slightly more, which means that the person that in that confrontational situation is less likely to do something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think surely even UFC fighters, they're still going to get the jitters. You can see them going through that mindset yeah. with their music. If they didn't, they wouldn't have that process, right? A world-class boxer is still going through that process and they're like literally getting their heads pounded in. Yeah. Doesn't get much more extreme, does it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think another uh, fear before we start wrapping this up, unless you guys have got some more as well, uh, is the fear that you're too old. You know, too old to start. I heard actually James Smith talk about this on a on a little YouTube video today. It's like, forgive the language, but he's like, someone asked him, oh, is 36 too old to start jiu-jitsu? No, and he's like, well, uh, 36 is a lot better than 37, so you better fucking start now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm 42. Yeah, I'll be um, 42 in a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, everyone talks about Elio Gracie, don't they, as the kind of reference point. It is, that's not probably the best one because he started the whole thing. He's up there, right? But he was rolling at 94. Like, I honestly think you could... I would love, actually, for someone to come in here in the, like, 60s or 70s and progress through jiu-jitsu in slow time mm. and reach the rank of black belt in their 80s. Like, I think that would be... And that is totally achievable. Because ultimately, this is not a test of, I said this last night, this is not a test of your physical capability in this, this space. It is a test of your technical application. And yes, the physicality comes into it. But I was chatting to someone yesterday and I was saying, look, the greatest compliment you can ever be paid in jiu-jitsu is that someone says about you, they're really technical. People say, that's the words people use, oh, they're super technical. That is the best compliment. No one ever says in jiu-jitsu, oh, the man's just so strong, so it's brilliant. No one says that. No one says that. Yeah. So you, you can do this at any age, at any size, with any impediments, and if you focus on the technique, you will progress just the same as anyone else, because that's all I'm looking for, man. It's, can you do the technique? I had a roll with Declan last night, it's men. Yeah. Rolling, like his movement, is one of the smallest guys in here, and he, he's a handful, man, for most people. Um, so yeah, age is not a barrier to entry here. Unlike most other physical pursuits, I might say. Mm. You know, even something like, you know, tennis or something, you know, you know sprinting up and down the, the baseline, you can't really do that when you're a bit older. Yeah, your knees start going down. Yeah. Like I guess the, uh, one of the, the big things about jiu-jitsu is you take it to the floor to remove the athleticism. There you go. Whereas like, when we're on our feet, that's when you can be more athletic, right? Totally, man. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's the ground supports you in many ways, doesn't it? I mean, playing guard, can you lay down? All right, you can do jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Someone said that the other day. They just love the fact. Someone like, I'm naturally lazy, so I just love the fact <laughs> I can lie on my back and fight someone. Well, I was saying this to this guy last night who's, who's been um, really really struggling to come back from COVID. And I said, if you, if you feel like you're working really hard, it's probably because you're playing on the top. If you want to take your heart rate down, play guard. It's much easier because the floor supporting your weight. You're not like driving through your toes and staying in, in, in the isometric hole of your legs. So yeah, for sure. I think going back to your point about age, 
we could do more here to encourage older practitioners. We, I would say, how, how old do you think our oldest member is? In the 50s? Um, well, I think we have some members on freeze, don't we? Or at least I haven't come that are maybe a bit older into their 60s. But um, yeah, I mean, we've got a blue belt who's in his 50s, right, Colin? Yeah. Yeah, so... And he's a great example of, you know, maybe doesn't, you know, hits classes regularly enough, but tailors down his live training. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, be Mr. Technical or Mrs. Technical, I would say, is the greatest compliment. And see it as... See it as a... a cerebral exchange as much as a physical exchange. You know, it was just touching on that role we had last night, see, like, it's really given me some stuff to think about. Because if you don't know the answers to it, you've got to find the answers. Mm. I don't know the answers to what you were doing last night, like initially in my head. Yeah. I know what was happening, but I was like, turn the wrong way there. Did what, what would be the best way to overcome that? So that, that just starts, and this is the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu. Yeah, can never It's be not just a physical thing. No. It's a skill game. So you're not only, particularly for the older people, like you're not only developing your sense of physicality and your health, physical health, it's your mental well-being and mental health. Yeah. It's like doing a Sudoku crossword while doing squats. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's an important point that it takes a while to learn in jiu-jitsu as well. Like, you know, especially for the younger guys, you can come in, you know, we can't come in, train hard and just get hard rolls in and think we did like a really good workout. But sometimes to push ourselves, we need to actually think about the role and like, what did go wrong there? Or what did go well there? And, and reflect on it and, and to have a plan to get better rather than just, I'm going to come in, smash it, did my hard rounds, got sweaty, got the picture and left kind of thing, you know? That goes right back down to the first class fears type thing. And it's like, obviously what you've spoken to me about, and I've heard you say it to many other people as well, where someone's rolling too intensely, uh, they're getting a bit giddy or whatever. And you've said to them, okay, tell me what the first eight things were in that role. And then you either have, oh, this, 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 this. And you're like, okay, that's a good level of intensity. You know what's happened or... I can't remember, it's a blur. Well, then you were too intense, you weren't using your mind. There's no puzzles to solve because you won't remember it. And that, if, if that's the culture the professor's driving, yeah. then if someone's afraid of someone coming, you know, if to come a class and think, is it going to be a too intense? Well, no, because the students are being told the intensity should be lower to the point where you can actually remember the whole experience. Plus, we obviously pair them up right at the start of the class with someone, so we don't just lob them with anyone either. Yeah, that's so a good point, isn't we it? We actually first, pair just, them up with yeah. the person we think would be perfect for that Someone person. experienced, yeah. yeah. So you're going to be paired up with someone experienced, and, um, and ultimately you're going to be given the warmest welcome, because one, we want, it, we, look, we want you to become a member of our community. Of course we do, we want to grow as a business, we want to grow. Um, but more than that, and if you've looked at any of our stuff, and the thing that hopefully differentiates us between us and many other academies is that we just want to do well by people. We want mm. to develop people. I've got so I mean, much to give. Yeah. So look, if you are nervous, that's normal. Well done for being normal. We like normal people. Come down and give it a go. Because if you don't, what's the alternative? Yep. You're probably going to see one of us on the mat anyway. So say hi, let us know you watch the, <laughs> the podcast. And um, anything from you, UK before we finish up? No. All good. All good. All right, guys. We'll see you on the mats. Let's...